0: Been teaching each week on different topics. Last week we talked about the tithe the whole time. This week we're going to talk about offerings because tithes and offerings are different. In fact, that was the first thing I wanted to address tonight. Are tithes and offerings the same? And I already just told you they're different. The tithe, and and I'm just going to explain this the tithe is always a specified percentage. And The offering is always a chosen amount, and you choose the amount, okay? Hebrews 7, verse 2 says, Abraham gave a tenth part of all. That's talking about the tithe. That's the specified amount. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, in the Living Bible, let me read you this from the Living Bible, says, Everyone must make up his own mind as to how much he should give. Now, this is talking about offerings. When it comes to the tithe, you don't make up your own mind of what you should give. But offerings, everyone must make up his own mind as to how much he should give. Don't force anyone to give more than he really wants to, for cheerful givers are the ones God prizes. So tithes and offerings are two different things, and there's two different rewards for, there's a different reward for tithing than there is for giving offerings. Last week we learned about the rewards for tithing was that God rebukes the devourer for your sake, that he opens the windows of heaven, pours you out a blessing, that you cannot receive all of the blessing. And we know that word, their blessing, means opportunities. That when the windows of heaven open, what come through the windows are not cash money, but they are opportunities for you. And he pours out so many opportunities that you can't receive them and all of them. And then... Uh, uh, The blessing of God is just on you, hallelujah, when you tithe, hallelujah. And then he says he devours, uh, he rebukes the devourer for your sake, and that your vine will not cast its fruit before its time. So there's blessings for being a tither. And then uh, it, uh, it talks in Proverbs about how when we honor the Lord with the first fruits of our substance, how he blesses us for that. But the offering, the rewards for offerings are different than that. And we're going to talk about that tonight. The tithe is a trust relationship. When I tithe, I demonstrate that I trust God. Amen? But when I tithe, He also knows He can trust me. And because He knows He can trust me, He gives me the keys to His house. See, if I know I can trust my grown kids, so they have a key to my house. Do you have a key to your mom's house? You're grown though, you know But you have a key to the house because they know that they can trust you. Well, God knows when I tithe, He can trust me. And He gave me the key to His house. He opened the window. He opened the window. Amen. And tithers have an access to heaven that non-tithers do not have. Okay. So the tithe is a trust relationship, but the offering is a gift relationship. Amen. Amen. Um, tithing is a command but giving is brought forth from the heart of the giver tithes are taken Hebrews 7 5 says that the priesthood have a command to take tithes of the people that's why it's so wrong any of you ever go to a church where they didn't take tithes and offerings they just set a bucket at the back that's sin that's wrong that church is wrong the priesthood has a command to take tithes. And offerings are to be received. When, and when someone wants to give you something, you receive it. You know, if I said, Kevin, I'd like to give you five dollars, he wouldn't just go, just jerk it out of my hand and take it, would he? Now oh, that poor Bible. We are going to have to get, every time, this Bible has a rough life every service, doesn't it? Let's use this little piece of paper here. I mean, you know, here, you pretend you want to give me $5. You want to give me $5? <laughs> okay, we're going to do this again. You want to give me $5? See, I don't take it like that, just snatch it out of his hand. I Well, thank you, Kevin, I received it. <laughs> Don't get stressed out here. now. <laughs> Praise God. So offerings are to be received. So when someone gives us something, we don't just take it. We receive it. Thank you. I receive that. You need to say that. You need to learn to receive. And you need, when somebody wants to give you something, say, I receive it. Thank you. And you know what I learned a long time ago? It doesn't matter whether I like it or not when somebody gives me something. They'll still get their harvest on it. So, you know, I've, I've been through this before when I felt like God was telling me to give somebody something and I go, God, they probably don't even like that. They'll probably hate it. God, they'll probably be going, why in the world did she give me this? That is totally irrelevant. That is the devil trying to talk you out of getting your harvest. Because it don't matter if you like it when I give it to you. If you don't like it, just sow it again. If it isn't your stock, if it isn't your thing, just sow it again. Just pass the seed along. But it won't keep me from getting my harvest, whether you like it or not. And you have to. You need to learn to receive, because when when you say when somebody wants to give you something, and you say, "Oh no, I just I couldn't take that," you ever hear anybody say that? You are a blessing robber. You are a robber. Somebody's trying to get blessed. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, that was extra. Uh, So tithing is a command, and giving is brought forth from the heart. Okay, tithing, if you want a a, a picture, you want to see a, a picture, a word picture, tithing is like a key. It unlocks heaven, and offerings are seed. You can't use offerings to unlock heaven. Offerings can't be keys, but tithes can't be seeds. I have seen more people want to sow seed, and it was their tithe. In other words, I've seen people who weren't tithers wanting to sow seed and believe for the benefits of seed time and harvest, they hadn't even tithed yet. You can't do that. See, God, until you've tithed, God's counting that on your tithe. Okay. Turn to Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Now, you're going to get blessed tonight. Because you're givers and you're tithers. So, we, hey, you don't have to come in here and get under condemnation. If you're not a giver and a tither, start. Hallelujah. You'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. I've got, Pastor and I, we're not just teaching this. out, We're teaching this not only from the Word of God. We teach this from experience. We've been tithing and giving offerings since 1980. We've proved it 20 years. We've proved it 20 years. Malachi and, and, and watched others prove it longer than that. Watched my grandparents be tithers uh, for many, many years. Watched God bless them when, and, and as tithers, and they didn't even have a big revelation of it, but they were tithers. I watched God provide for them in their elderly years when, when the jobs were over and they were retired, and there was no source of income. No, they, had not, they did not have a retirement plan. My grandfather had been a rancher, a cowboy. There's no retirement plans for cowboys he was on his own, but God provided. He had been a tither. My grandparents were tithers, and I saw this. I saw their boss one day drive up to their house and say, go down to Era Ford in Abilene, Hixie." My grandmother's name was Hixie. Nobody else in the whole world ever been named that. <laughs> Thank God they didn't name me after her. <laughs> Amen. But anyway, he said, go up to Era Ford, Hixie, and pick out any car you want. Tell them to send me the bill. Just for being a tither. Tithers. God blesses tithers. Amen. <clears throat> okay, so Malachi 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. So so many times we read that scripture and we talk about people robbing God of the tithe. But he says, you've also robbed me in offerings. Not y'all, but he's talking to people, you know people can rob God of offerings can't they I want to I'm gonna ask you a question then I'm going to answer it okay <laughs> why is not tithing and why is not tithing and giving offerings robbing God now I'm going to answer that question for you because you may have wondered well why is it robbing God for me not to give tithes and offerings I'll tell you why because this earth is the Lord's This earth is the Lord's. All the gems, all the minerals, all the oil, all the tar, all the pitch, all the asphalt. Listen, if you drive on roads out here, those roads belong to God. Those roads were made out of His tar or His pitch. I don't know what asphalt is. Gravel is little bitty rocks. Those rocks are God's rocks. Your house is built on God's land. And I'm telling you, there are men that have gone out and cut lumber all over Alabama. That's God's trees. Those are God's trees. That's God's son. That's his rain that waters these plants. That's You plant your garden out in your backyard. Those are God's minerals you're drawing from and making you grow those good tomatoes. And when you don't give him the tithe, you took his stuff, you robbed him. And that's why, see, a lot of times people get real uptight when you read those Scriptures in Proverbs that say, the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. And they say, well, God can't take money away from wealthy people and give it to Christians. That'd be stealing. God wouldn't steal from people. It's not stealing. They took His stuff and made millions of dollars. They went and and, or the... Or how do you get that? The coal, however you get... They mined it. They got the coal out of the earth and they got His gold out of the earth and they got His silver out of the earth. And they took His rain and His sunshine and they've depleted many times His ground growing cotton and crops and... It's His stuff. The earth is the Lord's. And that's why in James chapter 5... He says, weep and wail, ye rich, wicked men. He said, you've stored up treasure for the last days. I'm taking it away from you. And I'm putting it in the hands of the righteous. And he has every right to do it. He's not stealing from them. They stole from him. They got wealthy on his stuff and didn't pay the holy tithe. That's why. That's why it's robbing God. You can't go and use His stuff. You're driving on His roads. You're living on His land. You're breathing His air. And you're eating food from this earth. It's God's. It's God's. And all He says, all He asks for is 10%. 10%. A dime out of a dollar. We sometimes, we we blow it clear out of proportion. 10 cents out of a dollar. He says, that part's holy. Give that part to me. I'll know you love me. I'll know you trust me. And I'll know I can trust you. And I want to tell you something, family. You'll never miss the tithe. You'll never miss it. You'll never miss it. I can't explain how you never miss it, but you never miss it. You never miss it. Because he makes 90% Go further than you have been trying to make a hundred percent. You trust in yourself, you are a baboon. If you trust in yourself to take a hundred percent, he is so good. Praise God! Hallelujah. Uh, I want to talk about offerings some more tonight. Turn to Exodus chapter thirty-five because he said we not only robbed him in the tithe, but we would robbed him in offerings. Now we haven't. When I say we, I hadn't been robbing God in offerings. I want to tell you I have not got robbed God's in offerings since I, in nineteen eighty when I figured out to give, we started giving. Amen? Amen. We started giving, and we jumped in with both feet. And so when I say we, I'm not talking about you or me. I'm talking about to those who have not given tithes and offerings. So, but sometimes I just, it's just easier to say we. Exodus 35, verse 4. It says, As Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord, whosoever is of a willing heart. Let him bring it, an offering of the Lord, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram skins dyed red and badger skins and and shittim wood and oil for the light and spices for anointing oil and for sweet incense and onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate. And every wise-hearted among you shall come and take all that the Lord hath commanded. Okay, I think I read a little further than I wanted to. Go to 20, verse 20. But it didn't hurt us. Verse twenty. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came, every one whose heart stirred him up, and every one whom his spirit made willing. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation, and for all his service, and for all the holy and for the holy garments. And they came, both men and women, as many as were willing-hearted, and brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets, all jewels of gold. And every man that offered, offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. And every man with whom was found blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and red skins of rams and badger skins brought them. Every one that did offer an offering of silver and brass brought the Lord's offering. And every man with whom was found shittim wood for any work of the service brought it. And all the women that were wise hearted did spin with their hands and brought that which they had spun both of blue and of purple and of scarlet and of fine linen and all the women whose heart stirred them up in wisdom spun goat's hair and the rulers brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate and spice and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense the children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord every man and woman whose heart made them willing to bring for all manner of work which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses. Praise God. Do you notice it several times there how it said the willing heart? The willing heart. The willing heart, I want to tell you, makes all the difference. Turn to Proverbs chapter 11. We're going to learn tonight how to give tithes and how to give offerings. Listen, when you tithe, the devourer's rebuked for your sake. Some of you, that's why you lost your marriages. Satan stole them. Because you weren't a tither. Some of you, that's why you've lost other things that you've lost. Satan stole them. Sometimes you can be a tither and still lose things if you don't stand your ground and not let him steal. Amen? Okay, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. That's why you have to have revelation. There is is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. The Bible says there that when there's people when you give away, when you scattereth, when you sow, scattereth their sow, you're going to increase. But when you withhold, it's going to tend to poverty. When you if you constantly have lack in your life, one reason may be because you're not sowing offerings. Another reason may be because you're not sowing them right. And we're going to talk about that later, okay? Um, Turn to Luke 6, verse 38. Just looking what the Holy Bible says about it all. Not taking my word for it, but taking the word for it. Luke 6, 38. This is a famous giving scripture. Oh, I love to give. Giving is so good. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. So God tells us if we will give, it will be given unto us. And he tells us how it will be given. It's like, like, you know, when you bake a cake, they teach you in home economics not to... uh, They teach you to, you know, put the flour into the measuring cup very carefully, and you don't want it to pack down because you want your cake to be light and fluffy. Don't y'all know what I mean? But when you measure brown sugar, what do you do? You pack it down in there, you press it, and you get as much in the cup as you can get in. Amen? It's good measure, it's pressed down, it's shaken together, shake it around so that it all goes down. And running over the top still, that's how God gives back to you. And it says He's with the measure that you meet, the measure you use. If you use a teaspoon, God presses down, shakes together, and runs over a teaspoon for back to you. If you use a a, a, a big old bu- gallon bucket, God sh- presses down, shakes together, and runs over. In other words, He gives it us back to us in proportion to our giving. Amen? Okay. Okay. Uh, so if we're, and I want us to do a little check here. If you're a giver and men aren't giving to you, you need to do a check. You need to first of all make sure you are a giver. In other words, you're not giving and, and it's really the tithe and you hadn't paid the tithe over here, okay? But say you, that's clear. Then you need to check your measure of your giving. And then you need to check, like in Deuteronomy where we read, is your heart willing? Are you willing? And you know, you make that adjustment just like that. If the heart's been just kind of a little unwilling, you know, I'm doing this because, you know, God, you know. But I really don't. would well, then you've got to make your heart willing. And we all have to keep a constant adjustment on our heart. You know, I've had God speak to me before to give something and felt my heart go, oh, God, I don't want to give that. Mm, that's my birthday money, God. I was saving that, I was going to Parisian. You know, you've all felt that before. But real quick, I I make the adjustment. I say, no, 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 what are you thinking of, Debbie? What, do you want one dress or do you want to sow it and get the harvest? Amen? See, I make that adjustment in my heart. Turn to Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. You need to give from the perspective of seed. You need to start seeing your giving as seed, if you aren't already. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. Now, see, we got to keep a constant guard on our heart because we can be right one day and have our heart squeeze up on us the next. You know, that's why Proverbs chapter 4 says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You can be just as right in your heart one day and then it, it be off over here somewhere else the other the next day. So we're constantly guarding our heart and we're constantly making those little adjustments in our heart, aren't we? Okay? Genesis 8 verse 22, "While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. How long are the laws of sowing and reaping going to remain in effect, family? As long as the earth remaineth. Okay? Did y'all see that? So this stuff is going to work forever. So we need to get in there and start making it work. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians. Well, you don't have to. I'm going to read to you from the Living Bible. From 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Because the it seems like it's just clear in the Living Bible, this passage of Scripture. Actually, I think I'll have... I didn't bring my glasses in here so I might just have uh, somebody else read it I think I can do it 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1 Now just listen because this is the Living Bible Now I want to tell you what now I want to tell you what God in his grace has done for the churches in Macedonia Though they have been going through much trouble and hard times, they have mixed their wonderful joy with their deep poverty, and the result has been an overflow of giving to others. They gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and I can testify that they did it because they wanted to and not because of nagging on my part. They begged us to take the money so they could share in the joy of helping the Christians in Jerusalem. Best of all, they went beyond our highest hopes for their first action was to dedicate themselves to the Lord and to us for whatever directions God might give to them through us. They were so enthusiastic about it that we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to visit you and encourage you to complete your share in the ministry of giving. You people here are leaders in so many ways. You have so much faith so many good preachers, so much learning, so much enthusiasm, so much love for us. Now, I want you to be leaders also in the spirit of cheerful giving. Amen? Be leaders in that spirit of cheerful giving. Hallelujah. I am not giving you an order. I am not saying you must do it, but others are eager for it. This is one way to prove that your love is real, that it goes beyond mere words. You know how full of love and kindness our Lord Jesus was, though he was so very rich. Yet to help you, he became so very poor, so that by being poor, he could make you rich. Hallelujah. I want to suggest that you finish what you started to do a year ago, for you were not only the first to propose this idea, but the first to begin doing something about it. Having started the fall rolling so enthusiastically, you should carry this project through to completion just as gladly, giving whatever you can out of whatever you have. Let your enthusiastic idea at the start be equaled by your realistic action now. If you, are total, if you are really eager to give, then it isn't important how much you have to give. God wants you to give what you have, not what you haven't. Hallelujah, praise God. And that's out of the Living Bible. Uh, then, in, uh, oh, I was going to read chapter 9 of, uh, out of there. I was going to read you just a little bit more. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to read from 6 through 11. But remember this. If you give little, you will get little. A farmer who plants just a few seeds will get only a small crop, but if he plants much, he will reap much. Everyone must make up his own mind as to how much he should give. Don't force anyone to give more than he really wants to, for cheerful givers are the ones God's prizes. God is able to make it up to you by giving giving you everything you need and more so that there will be not only be enough for your own needs but plenty left over to give joyfully to others. It, it is as the scripture says, the godly man gives generously to the poor. His good deeds will be an honor to him forever. For God who gives seed to the farmer to plant and later on good crops to harvest and eat will give you more and more seed to plant and will make it grow so that you can give away more and more fruit from your harvest. Yes, God will give you much so that you can give away more. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will break out into thanksgiving and praise to God for your help. Praise God. So, uh, God gives us that in the King James says that God gives seed to the sower. It also teaches us that seed bears after its own kind. Uh, Financial seeds must be mixed with faith. You need to have an expectation to reap. You need to sow in proportion to what you are expecting to receive. A lot of times people give a little teeny offering and then ask God for a million dollars. If you're believing God for a million dollars, you need to give a seed in proportion to that million dollars, okay? You need to sow with purpose so you will know when you get your harvest. Sometimes people are just sowing and they're not really even thinking about their harvest, They're not even thinking about what they're believing God for. They've actually never activated their faith. That's one of the main reasons why people sow and they don't see harvest on their offerings is because they never really activated their faith. They sow a seed, but they don't have purpose in it. And they don't even really know when they get it back. If you're sowing for something, tell God what you're sowing for. Amen? Sometimes God initiates offerings. I talked about that a while ago. Sometimes God will say, I want you to give $100 to so-and-so. Or I want you to sow $100 into the church tonight. Or I want you to give your ring away. Or I want you to give a car away. You know, God will initiate offerings. Family, when God initiates an offering, you always got to remember this. He's not trying to take things away from you. He's trying to get something better to you. He's got a harvest in mind when He initiates offerings, and He's trying to get something to you. But another thing that happens and needs to happen in your life is you need to initiate offerings sometimes. Are you believing for something? Then you need to sow a seed. Pastor and I have believed for so many houses. You just can't imagine how many houses we believe God for. Every time, God didn't specifically tell us, I don't guess, but we felt led to sow a seed for the house. We sowed a seed. And we said, God, we're sowing this seed and we're believing you for a house. And we've had some of the most supernatural house deals you cannot imagine. We've had supernatural house deals. I don't have time to tell you all our supernatural house deals, how God worked things out, how God caught people. One time we, we called a realtor and we said, uh, we want to get rid of our house, but we don't want to give you a commission. We sowed a seed. Now that's not good news to a realtor. No. <laughs> and we said, uh, uh, "And we said, we said you may have somebody on your list that would like to trade houses with us." And you know what? He called back and he said, "Well, you know what? I found somebody that wants to tra- that would be might be interested in trading houses. We traded houses with those people. God, see, we sowed a seed. First of all, we're tithers." We got the blessing of God upon us. We got the good hand of God on us. The windows of heaven are open over us. But then we sowed seeds. When we're believing to sell houses, we sow seeds. When we're believing to buy houses, we sow seeds. When we're believing for other things, we sow seeds for it. What are you believing for? Sow a seed for it. Now, I don't believe you have to name every seed. When I got into that, I heard that talk. And I got into it, I got confused. Because I gave way more seeds I'm giving, I mean, I, every service I'm giving a seed, and, and, and I was like, God, God, I can't think of something to reap every service. I've already sowed for this, and I've already sowed for that, and I've already sowed for this, and I've already sowed for that. It's like, I'm just believing you to bless me on this one. So I don't think you have to name every seed, but you do have to have a purpose. And you knew some things that you're believing God for. I hope you have some specific things you're believing God for. Specific things. It might be it might be people. You can sow seed for people. It might be it might be a car. You can sow seeds for cars. You can sow seed for a car, and then you can water that seed with more offerings. God, I'm thanking you for it, and I'm just watering the seed. I have it, I believed I received it, it's mine. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, y'all are quiet tonight. Uh, you always reap more than you sow. Now we want to look at... Or I, no, I've still got time. How much will I reap? If I sow offerings, how much will I reap? Let's turn to Mark chapter 4. Look at verse 20. Now, this passage in Mark here is the passage where God tells us about sowing and He's telling us about... Uh, soil condition, the condition of our heart. But this is a principle in Mark 4 that we can not only take from the sowing of the word of God and the seed of the word of God in our heart, but we can take it over and apply it in the financial realm too. It says, and these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty and some a hundred. So we can take this principle that he set out, because see, truth is truth in every area. And so we can take this principle that he set out about sowing the word in your heart and we can apply it to our offerings. One of the first things we could understand there is when we sow offerings, we need to sow into good ground. Now, I'm going to tell you something, and I'm, I'm going to say, Michael, start the car. Because I don't want to, because some people, this just bothers them for, some, for you to say something like this. But poor people aren't good ground. So don't sow your offerings into poor people. When you're believing for a harvest, don't sow into the poor. Now, I didn't say don't give to the poor. We're going to talk about that later. Because you are supposed to give to the poor. But that's not where you're supposed to sow offerings. So many people, though, see they let their heart, they're they're always need-motivated. They can get, oh, so compassionate, so stirred up over giving to poor people. But poor people aren't good ground. In fact, poor people are poor because they're such bad ground. Poor people are poor because they don't think right. Poor people are poor sometimes because they're prideful and they won't be teachable. Now, I'm not talking about... I'm, I, I see, Listen, I've been through all sorts of... I've had no money in the bank, but I was good ground the whole time. I'm not talking about somebody that's gone through a, a situation and they're believing. God. Listen, if people are in faith, they are good ground. Amen. It doesn't matter how much money they got in the bank. If they're in faith, they're, they're good ground. Amen. But we're talking about the people that aren't in faith, people that are destitute and poor, and they they just they're that's just how they are. Amen. And so that's not a good place to sow your seed. You sow into good ground. And how much are you going to get back? Well, we were, that's one thing we were going to talk about there. Well, it says they're 30, 60, and 100-fold. What he's saying there is that different seeds have different potential. Not every seed you sow will you get 100-fold on. Some seed you may not get but two-fold on. Double. In fact... When it says hundredfold there, what it really means is not a hundred times. It means optimum yield. See, if you were to plant a corn seed, one corn kernel, and you go out in your garden and you plant that corn seed, a stalk will come up, won't it? And they say that on the average, a stalk will bear two ears of corn. And on each ear of corn is how many seeds? About 800 that'd be 1,600 corn seeds from one. That's a lot more than 100 times, isn't it? So to say, a, just if I just planted a corn seed and I only got 100 kernels of corn, I couldn't even get a good meal. That'd be a sickly poor ear of corn, wouldn't it? You know, one of them with the rose missing out of it. You've had them before. One of them, you know, that wouldn't be a good crop on corn, would it? But 100 times on some seed would be really good. But see, what you need to believe for is the optimum yield on every seed. When God tells you to sow a seed, you may reap one thing. You may reap two things. You may reap, you may, you may reap, uh, you may reap double. You may reap triple. Thirty times. Sometimes you get, you do get a hundred times. One time, Pastor and I got the hundred times. One time, God led us in our church in Seminole. We had, I think, twenty-five hundred dollars in the building fund. Is that right? And God let, and that was all we had. And we were living in a storefront building. And God led us to sow it. And I think we sowed a thousand in Willie George Ministries and a thousand or fifteen hundred into Oral Roberts. And uh, we asked the congregation first if there was an agreement. And they were, and we sowed the seed. And like a year later, we reaped a church building that was worth two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Now, when we sowed it, we didn't know that's what we'd reap. We didn't, so we just obeyed that leading that God gave us, and we got the hundred times. Amen. We couldn't have bought that building with twenty five hundred dollars, but God got us that building. And this was what was so fabulous about it: is the the church building was worth two hundred fifty thousand dollars. It was a church building. It was on twenty four acres or something like that, and and they said, okay, all we want for it is take up our note. And the note was $30,000. And with this church building came a mobile home, which we sold. With this church building came all the, I mean, paper clips, typewriters, desks, every, lawnmowers, everything this church owned, we got with that church. We got a baby grand, a white baby grand piano. We used to laugh and say, we bought a baby grand and they threw the church building in with it. Because the baby grand was worth what? Amen. See, that was the the optimum yield. Amen? Um, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. So you believe God for the optimum yield. It's just amazing what activating your faith will do. Not changing so much what you're doing. This church is givers. This church is givers. Not changing so much what you're doing, but just activating your faith in it. Begin to sow for some specific things. Would you like to have some new clothes? We'll sow a seed. Would you like to pay off your house? We'll sow a seed. Would you like to pay off your car and be debt-free? We'll sow a seed. Start believing for some things specifically. I do want to encourage you not to believe for everything at once. Sometimes people do that and they get they get too scattered out in their faith. I used to be like that. It was like, you know, sometimes you can be at the place where you've got so many needs, it's got God, where do I start? Well, focus in on one thing. Focus in on one thing. And God will bring you out. He's not going to bring you out all of them at one time anyway. So focus on one thing. One or two things. Your As your faith and capacity increases, you can focus on a few more at a time. But don't start with... A list of 29 things and you're so you're believing for and sowing and seed for. Focus in on a few. Amen? You got some stuff you're believing God for? You're pretty focused about it too, aren't you? Amen. You're going to have it. I just feel this year. I don't know what it is, but this year. Something you've got in your heart, you're getting it this year. Hallelujah. Galatians 6 verse 7. We'll end with this. I got more than I can cover tonight. That's all right. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, this is really good. That means that we can't sow a good seed without reaping it. I mean, this is really good. It also means the negative side of it. If you sow bad things, you're going to reap it. If you sow strife, you'll reap strife. If you sow... uh, uh. If you just act ugly to people, guess what? People are going to act ugly to you. If you sow love, you're going to get love. If you sow friendship, you're going to get friendship. If you sow money, you'll get money. Seeds bear after their own kind. See, a lot of times people want a financial harvest, but they don't want to give a financial seed. It's like, well, I'll I'll, I'll mow the church lawn. I'll give my time. Well, it's a good thing to give your time. And God blesses that. One thing He blesses you back with is time. And that's one thing we all need very badly. That's why it's good to sow your time into the work of the Lord. God blesses those that serve Him. God blesses servants. He blesses those that serve Him. But we need to when we're believing for a financial harvest, we need to give a financial seed and there would only be one uh, reason you wouldn't do that is if you absolutely did not even have a penny i'm talking and there's been people that didn't have even one penny well then you sow what you have you sow what you have if it's a pencil you sow it if it's a cake you have to bake you may not have a penny but you can go into your cupboard and get out a some flour and some oil, and you can make a cake, and you can sow it, because you got to get the ball rolling here. You got to get this seed time and harvest thing moving here. You got to get this flow of going. So you need to start start tonight. If you do, if you are not in the flow of seed time and harvest, in other words, you don't have seed in the ground. If you don't have seed in the ground, you do not have a harvest coming. So you can hope and pray all you want to. Let me tell you something. It's not coming without a seed in the ground. So sow something. Sow something tonight. Sow something tonight. Sow something tonight. And get and then get in the flow. Sow and then when you reap, see when you sow tonight, God's gonna give you something back. Don't eat it all. Don't go to the say, like, wow. I sewed a dollar before I left. Somebody gave me $10 in the parking lot. Let's go to Dairy Queen and spend the whole $10. That would be so dumb. If somebody gives you $10, tie the dollar. And then take another dollar or two and sew it. And then go to Dairy Queen. And do whatever you want to with the rest of it. But get that flow going. You, you, you sow and then you reap and then you sow again and then you reap. And every time it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And bigger, and bigger. Some, of, some of you need to increase your seed. You've been stuck on, a, on one amount for three or four years. You're going to keep getting the same harvest. You've got to increase it a little. Increase it a little. Increase your seed. You know, if a farmer wants to make more, you know, we're big farmers. Michael's dad farms 8,000 acres or something like that. He's always trying to farm more, too. See, when he wants more crop, he don't just go, man, I'm going to plant this quarter section again, and this year I'm believing it's making 10 bales to the acre. It ain't going to happen. It'll never happen. If he needs more bales of cotton, he's got to find him another quarter section. And he's got to plant some more seed. He's got to plant some more seed. See, sometimes Christians are believing for such unrealistic things. They're believing for God. They're believing for magic instead of a a, a principle. There's a principle here. And it's just like your garden. If you want more tomatoes, you plant a few more plants, don't you? You don't believe that this plant is going to that you're going to plant one plant and you know that and you're going to you're going to take one tomato plant and you're going to go out and open you a roadside a fruit stand on one tomato plant and sell them and and make $10,000 that summer and feed your whole family on one tomato plant. You just don't believe those kind of things, do you? You know. You know you're going to have to plant a field of tomato plants if you want to have a fruit stand and sell tomatoes by the side of the road. Amen. So you get in the you get in the flow. Now we'll y'all we stand up together. Next week, hey, I brought